Hi, James. I want to talk about updating open source projects because I finally, finally, finally updated SQLite-net. And I felt a little bit terrible because it was a little bit long between releases and there were some nasty bugs out there. And I learned a lot of important lessons along the way. How does that sound for a topic? That sounds good. I also have a lot of open source projects that I need to update and then never update because other things come up in life and we're in a global pandemic. So I hear you. I mean, I'm there for you. <laughs> and um, in fact, while we do this podcast, I'm going to do, uh, update one of my libraries with the update that you just came out with to this library. I'm scared already. How exciting. <laughs> So, um, just to say, everyone out there, if you're using a library right called SQLite-Net, I released version 1.7, just a, oh, I don't know, in, in podcast time, I have no idea, but about a week ago. And um, I'm very excited because it honestly has some pretty big bug fixes that I guess I alluded to should have been fixed a lot sooner. And people are getting kind of mad in the issues. So I'm trying to trying to temper the storm a little bit and apologize and make good on uh, making sure the library is interesting. And so you updating to it is filling me with even more worry. But uh, we can get there. I'm sure it'll be just fine, Frank. I mean, you just alluded that you had no issues at all and then everything was gravy, right? We are going to talk about unit tests and how much I trust unit tests and how much I distrust unit tests during all of this. Um, but first, I want to talk about um, this unfortunate regression that came up mostly because the library is being used in a way that I guess I didn't originally intend. But I was always like, yeah, yeah, it totally works in this environment. But it, it was a little bit new to me. It turns out, James... I wrote this library to work on mobile devices, but people keep using it on websites. Do you, okay. I don't know why. Do you remember, um, I think maybe about a million episodes ago, we talked about using SQLite as your database for a website. Yes. There's pros and cons. The pros mostly being it's super developer-friendly, easier to work with. The cons being like, I don't know if I should run <laughs> SQLite on a website kind of thing. I remember you telling me that you, we were talking about databases and backends. I mean, this was a while ago, but I remember you telling me that SQLite does great on the internet and that don't you run a website based off of with a SQLite yeah. backend? I don't use it as a hundred percent of a website oh. anywhere, but I use it as parts of a website. Um, if I'm fully honest, parts of the website that I don't think would destroy the world if they broke. So I'm just, you know, I haven't had like the full guts to use it for, say, user registration, um, things like that. But um, if you do file new, not file new project, .NET new web app with identity something or another, you get an ASP.NET Core website that uses Entity Framework to use SQLite. That's the default now. Oh, yes, 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 yes. And because uh, um, there's, I was setting up and doing an entity framework tutorial recently, and I wanted to kind of walk through it. And the default is um, in memory, which makes a lot of sense because I'm just doing it in memory cache. But then the next thing was SQL Lite. And then the next thing was SQL database, kind of like progressing to like hook it up to a real database. And the advantage there is in memory, you know, if you do an in-memory cache, it's not going to <laughs> store anything when you turn it off. But if you're doing SQLite, then bingo, bango, right? You got a great website ready to go. Yeah. 
you have a very basic database engine that is pretty battle-tested. Uh, definitely not going to have the same performance characteristics as SQLite, but as SQL, sorry, or MySQL or Postgre or any of those things. <laughs> Um, but okay, so okay, so number one, they're using a library in an environment that I'm not, I never quite intended, but I keep saying it's going to work in. <laughs> it was not Frank approved. It, it didn't have a stamp of approval from. This is how you may think about using this library. More of like I, I, I know my libraries are good when I use them in my own apps because then I have like customer feedback. I'm fixing bugs. That's when I can say 100% confidence this library works. Yeah, it's got bugs. Everything's got bugs, but you know, the major parts of it work. I didn't have any websites that were running, you know, 100% SQLite dash net. One thing too is I will say on that statement, I believe my best libraries, the most, you know, bug free in quotes and feature rich <laughs> libraries are the ones that I'm actively using inside of active applications. And you know, the ones that I'm not using because they are much less actively developed. Yes. You know what I mean? Like for monkey cache, I use the file system cache because John Dick wrote and it's basically flawless. And I, and it's like, it's done. I'm like, I don't know what else to do. It's just done. Like it, it's yeah. it's met my quiet criteria, and I don't. You know, I don't use the like. No offense, I don't use the SQLite one because I'm not using yeah. SQLite in my apps, and I'm not using the FileDB one because I'm not, you know, doing that. So I, I, you just end up testing them less as far as the dependencies. Right? There's other things that are happening. There's different use cases. It's just clear that hey, there's this. Or the other thing I will say too is when somebody else adds a feature to your library that you, like, you didn't want, but they're like, this would be a great feature. Oh, yeah. Then you automatically kind of not don't test that one as much because you know why? You didn't develop the feature and you're probably not going to use it. <laughs> reality. That's just reality. That's yeah. just facts. I'm not trying to be I, mean. It's I okay. love I have I love people contributing. I love I love all of you. I'm just saying that that's one downside to that. Well, we all do test-driven development, so the it won't exist unless we needed it, right? Yes. That yes. API, yeah, exactly. Well, okay, so there's this funny world that they're running my library in, that I'm like, okay, that should work. But then my API is also split, James. It's a split personality library. It has a synchronous version yes. for, let's call that iOS 2.0 days. That's what I use. <laughs> and, I use that one. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone loves the synchronous version. It's I easy put to locks understand. around everything and just make sure it's all good to go. Yeah. Locks. That's always good to put in our code. And guess what? That's going to be the main theme of oh, this no. podcast today. <laughs> always be locking, I say. <laughs> See, I was going to try to like circle around the topic a little bit more, but you just, you, you saw it coming and you just put your eyes on I've it. Been, I love it. Okay. So, because you said, you know, iOS two days and I've been, well, one, I've been using SQLite for SQLite-net, by the way, for how long now? Nine years. And, oh, wow. You know, I mean, we met, if we, people can go back, we met because I knew Kruger Systems Inc. from your stupid source code file that I would download and put into all, every single one of my apps and put into my, you know, about page and thanking for amazing software that works. Do I know how it worked? I have no idea. Remember when it could just be a source code and you didn't have to worry about like SQL yeah. raw and security things. But uh, anyways, um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's something that I've used for a long time is how we met. It's literally mm -hmm. how we became friends. And, and this, because of SQLite-net, that's how this podcast exists. 
yeah, you're making me nervous. So, like, if I break this library too much, does that break the friendship? Like, uh, is yep. it a transitive that's, property? That's yeah. correct. That's a true statement. Okay. This library means a lot to me now. <laughs> um so yeah so because it's forever old it went through a split personality phase where it also gained an async portion to it Mm -hmm. and this was in the very early days of async like in the um very early xamarin days we couldn't even use a um a wait it didn't exist like it was there the compiler could do it but the runtime couldn't handle it so like we were doing um task dot run dot continue with you know that kind of stuff that's the good stuff in the yeah (laughs) in the very early days and it was in those very early days when we were all learning how async works that i wrote all that code and oh boy oh boy james i made some mistakes and some of those mistakes are finally coming back to um bite me (laughs) <laughs> that was that was the politest way i could put it sorry <laughs> no i mean I, I think that that uh that that uh makes some sense i mean i think it was a transition period for all of us in life and there comes a point in every library's life where you know it's starting to grow up a little bit and and um it, it's sort of in it's, it's awkward phase in life i've been there personally i'm still in my awkward phase so there's that you know um mm-hmm. and uh yeah i can understand where this is going and in fact i will say i remember I remember the move to async because I believe it was Windows Store applications. Yeah. Windows Store 8 was the first one where everything became asynchronous. And then maybe in the first time in which I think maybe I was using, I forget how I was doing it. I think I had like just a, oh, I had, you know what I did? I had a, a linked file. Remember linked files? Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. There were before shared projects. And then I would conditionally compile the code to, in my you know data rep- repository service to either use the async version or the non-async version. It was like this big <laughs> mashup, and then the this the sync one had like locks around everything. It was it was uh, fascinating. Yeah. Okay. Um, right. So these the, those were exactly the heady days. Fascinating was a wonderful adjective for you to choose there. Thanks. <laughs> yes. So um, for this next part, I have to get a tiny bit technical. You mind? We, we yeah. got to talk about locks. Yeah, All go right. for it. Locking it up. So the truth is no SQLite database is really that multi-threaded friendly. It's just not. You can try, but you're going to get like problems. It, it gets locked. It gets busy. It has all its own internal stuff. So the way the async version of SQLite-Net worked was it had just a shared connection. And anytime you wanted to use that connection, it itself would put a lock on it and run it in the thread pool. Simple as that. So put a lock on it so that only one piece of code can actually use the database in a row and throw it in a thread pool so that it can be queued to run later. That sounds fine, right? That sounds good to me. Yeah. I mean, something comes in, you lock it up, boom, boom, boom. If, and how locks work, right, is, 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 is when you lock something, if another, another piece of your application tries to call that method, it, waits there yeah it it just waits waits there there. and that's fine because imagine if you had a a little database and you said write write you want it to be in sequential order you want it to do that and and um you want it to happen and and if you had a hundred writes the problem of doing it non-asynchronously becomes a problem because maybe that'll take a second and you don't want to lock your Mm -hmm. ui so you might be like task spin it up 
boom, 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 blah, 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 right? Right. Plus, what was nice was it was a nice encapsulation of a pattern that everyone was using. You yourself just said that you put locks around your SQLite use. Mm -hmm. Everyone was doing this because we all ran into the issues with SQLite, hitting it from, you know, either multiple threads or multiple file access, whatever. We've all run into those issues and we've all come down on the side. We're just going to put locks around everything because that just makes life better. Um, So, yeah, it, it was a good implementation because it was simple, easy to understand, gave you async kind of for free. And it worked. It, it worked well enough, James. Well enough. There were just two issues. Um, do you want to go with the issue that I've already solved or the issue I still need to solve? <laughs> let's, let's do... Um, let's go with the issue you solved first, all right? Because I think that'll be... Oh, good. You've learned your lesson already. And we can yeah. start from there. <laughs> Cool. Well, first, I have to blame a friend of ours, perhaps a friend of the show of ours, uh, a person named Clancy. That's not actually his name. It's just what we all call him, Clancy. (laughs) It's all Clancy's fault, James. So Clancy comes to me. Clancy has an app called G Music or had an app, has an app. I don't know what it is. And he is a performance freak like myself. And I love him for that. And he found ways to get SQLite to operate in a very performant manner without using so many locks that we were using. The problem being, let's say I have three threads that want to read from the database and no one wants to write to it. Well, that should be a safe operation. Three threads should be able to do it all at once. Hmm. but because of my lock, that would never happen. It's always going to be whatever. One thread after another, after another. Clancy is like, not good enough, not good enough. Have you ever had to deal with the side of his personality? <laughs> I have. I know the Clancy, the Clancinator 5000. And uh, yeah, I can see his demand and desire for, for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it turns out there is a magical option that you can pass to SQLite called full mutex now this did not exist when i first wrote my library but it exists now and full mutex is pretty much exactly what we were just saying talking about putting a lock around every time that you you use the database except this time it's built into the database and it's smarter and it knows that it actually can do multiple reads at the same time. Those are 100% safe, things like that. So it can actually allow multiple reads, even though it's called a full mutex. All it's saying is basically, we'll handle the locking. You don't have to worry about the locking anymore. Neat, gotcha. right? That is neat. I like that. I like that. Yeah. So they bake that right into the library. And that meant in my library, I could take away my locks. Mm. and oh boy (laughs) so number one clancy was right it totally worked units tests passed i had um version 1.6 in beta for over a year people are like yeah seems to work seems to work fine (laughs) ship it already right ship it i think we even had an episode where i was saying i really need to release this fix but i'm nervous about it this is the release this is the thing i was nervous about because we took we took away our lock in favor of the database lock Uh, scary scary times um so it shipped and it worked It, it works fine 
fine, James. We'll call it 99% I, I'm accurate. Not, I'm not 100% really buying that uh, that it works fine. I'm, I'm not... The, 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 what you're putting down here is not instilling confidence in me on... On, uh, <laughs> on on the tone of your voice, if I will. I'm just okay. I, I shouldn't be that because um, there was a bug with it, but it wasn't as bad of bug as my tone. I guess is betraying. I just hate bugs. You know, okay. I can't stand bugs. There was a regression, and it is the unfortunate case where I think this library is one of my best unit tested libraries out there, but just did not have a unit test covering this scenario. And it ended up not really being the fault of SQLite, but just, you know, multi-threaded code is hard. Yeah. And so, yeah, I had this regression. It was a weird regression. So what would happen is if you queued up two asynchronous operations and they both happened to use a transaction and they got queued and execute at the same time. That might sound like a common scenario, but it really doesn't happen that often. Like computers are fast. SQLite is fast. You very rarely have two things that happen at the same time. And it turned out in all the tests, I never had two transactions <laughs> happen at the same time. And yeah, guess what? People put this thing on a website. Websites, you know, web servers are busy, busy little buggers and bug a triggered. It makes sense though, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah it makes sense. Yeah, yeah it makes yeah. sense. You have uh, it's very different than a mobile application in which you know I use, you know, SQLite and I hit save and I write something to the database. That's pretty much how it works. Um, mm -hmm. So <laughs> I can I can see that uh, that that might cause an issue. Yeah, yeah. So that one was nice because. <laughs> At first, I was really stressing out because, you know, it's it's async code. You really don't want to mess it up. But um, the solution ended up being very simple and elegant. I could put a simple lock over transactions. They wouldn't affect anything else. Everything's going to go through smoothly because, thank goodness, I have a decent API on there, a nice high-level API, so I wouldn't break anything. The right things were private, which is an issue I have in this library. I made way too many things public, <laughs> and so I'm afraid of always breaking someone else's uh, dependency on me. But in this case, I was able to do it only modifying private stuff, and it was such a relief. My only regret here is that um, it took me so long to fix that regression because it was just a flat-out bug mistake and just flat-out our test didn't cover it. Embarrassing, basically. So... Once you figure that out, did you write a test for it? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> of course. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. The, the test is simple. You just, you know, start a transaction, make it sit there, start another transaction, make it sit there. They collide very easily. That okay. That's databases. At least they're easy to unit test. Thank goodness for that. <laughs> um, but it's funny because that leads into the next section. Whilst running, writing that unit test... This other unit test kept failing, James, <laughs> randomly. Hmm. You know, the way unit tests should fail, just sporadically and under random conditions. Isn't this when you want to give up software? You're just like, I cannot write software now. <laughs> I, it's proven. <laughs> I give the up. The world is telling me something. The red dots are telling me something. <laughs> so it's driving me nuts. This other, um, this other test keeps failing. Well, that turned out to be... Um, more assumptions and down a dark and dirty path called synchronous locks 
in an async world. Uh-oh. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> or I think what we called it before was calling, don't ever call dot result. Don't yes. do that. Don't ever call dot result, people. Don't. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't. I know you want to. Frank, I know you want to do it. I know you want to do it because you read somewhere that you can call dot result. But guess what, Frank? You can't because you're on the user interface thread and that will lock it. You can't do that. I think it's because I'm not positive here. I feel like people want to use dot result because maybe they're used to backend systems or command line applications where like that's kind of reasonable and rational because there's not really a UI thread. I'm on some background service and it handles that automatically because I'm like, okay, I, I don't want to leave. I don't want to do anything to do dot result. And I, I can't be in a async task at this point. Or often sometimes people will do it because they're inside of a click handler, which can only be avoid. You can't change the signature of a click handler. It's just, you can't do it. Um, so you're like, oh, what do I do? I will dot result it. And then the, what happens right there is it locks the UI thread. Mm-hmm. Not good. Well said. Um, I use it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Why? How? Why? What's going on? Don't I'm terrible. I'm terrible. No, you you named the UI thread. And honestly, I always thought that that was the biggest danger too. Yeah. Uh, don't call dot result because you never know who's going to call you, chain reaction, all that stuff. Oh, also, I think one of the arguments, another reason why people don't use it, or at least I don't personally use it in some scenarios um async and await can feel kind of viral like you put it in one function now the caller needs to have it now the caller needs to have it now the yeah. caller needs to have it and it's just like oh my god can, I don't can continue go this you can continue with yeah I love, exactly I, love, I was i was coding what was i coding the other day uh, something on my live stream i'm like eh, and i'll just continue with and ignore everything my new favorite thing is you can do continue with and if you don't care about the result you can use underscore like the underscore, and then that's a throw. Oh, yeah. Just throw it away. You don't even care what it is. I don't even care what happens. Okay. Just it's a fire and forget. I don't care. Okay. So you, you say you don't care, but you really want to check um, is is faulted or is succeeded or succeeded yeah. because it, it has an exception message that you're going to lose if you don't. Yeah. Do I care? Okay. Yeah. Okay. You will care yeah. when you get the bug report. Nah, no, no, dog. Okay. So I figured, as long as I'm not blocking the UI thread, who cares? Who cares yeah. if I sneak in a little bit dot wait here, a little bit dot a result there? It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Especially because I'm coming from the mobile world. I know exactly the performance characteristics of this device. I know I'm going to have about 16 threads in the thread pool. It'll go up to about 32 or 64 if it's really freaking out. But it'll have about that many threads in the thread pool. And, you know, if I do a dot result here, it's going to wait like milliseconds it's not gonna be that long you know it, it's not that bad and i was right it's not that bad <laughs> like it really um you can get away with it in a surprising number of circumstances you know where you really can't get away with it james where's that from? on web web servers <laughs> when people are putting this thing on web servers that do async why can't you get so, you would think that you'd be able to get away with it because web servers kind of are always dot resulting and dot not caring about stuff and awaiting Ooh. and doing all sorts of stuff. No. Well, they shouldn't be. Um, so in modern ASP.NET core, they've been really good about making asynchronous versions of pretty much everything. Yeah. 
That's so true. everything that you used to be able to do in a synchronous version pretty much has an async counterpart these days. And they didn't do that just to annoy us. <laughs> um, they did it because they want crazy performance on all those crazy server performance charts. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to get crazy performance by using operating system threads. They're just not that fast. They're resource hungry. There's lots of context switching involved every time you bounce from thread to thread. It's just not going to happen. And that's how old web servers used to work is threads and processes. What we do now are tasks. Yay, tasks. Tasks. Yeah. And tasks are nice because you can have technically an infinite number of tasks, whereas you're resource bound for threads. So, Got it. Got it. Yeah. Makes sense. So the ASP.NET world said, please, for the love of God, if you're going to make a high-performance website, do everything with async. It's better. I know it's annoying, but please do it. And if you follow all the uh, ASP.NET people on the Twitter, as I love to do, um, there are a lot of smart ones out there. And I don't want to do a disservice by naming just a few names and not others. Um, but who was I following? Mr. Fowler. David mm-hmm. Fowler? Is that his David name? David Fowler, yes. yes. Very smart yes. individual. A very, very smart individual. And he was saying something about like, darn it, people, stop putting synchronous code in our web servers. You're breaking everything. And I'm like, <laughs> Frank. what's my gut reaction, James? My gut reaction is, I do it on iOS all the time. It's fine. What's wrong with your web server? It can't handle it. But then, James, he started explaining, and the news just got darker, and the sky got darker, and like the sunset. I think that's why the sky got darker. But, you know, things just got depressing for a while. Can I name you some of the depressing things he said? Yes, I'm, I'm, I would like, give me the recap here because I was trying to look through this a little bit and uh, I like there's charts, there's graphs. There's, it's hard. Yeah, there's, there's graphs. Oh my God, there. it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, but I will summarize all of this by saying don't put synchronous locks in asynchronous code because of something that is called thread pool starvation. The thread pool is our little abstraction of, we want to run some code. We don't really care if it runs right now, but it should run pretty soon. Please go run it.net, put it on the thread pool. It's what we had before tasks, basically. But it's also what tasks use to execute their code. So there is a relationship between the two. The problem is the thread pool is dynamic because Threads, you know, they're operating system resources. Like I said before, they're resource limited. You only have so many of them and things can really slow down if you have too many of them. So it's this real balancing act the thread pool has to do in deciding how many threads to have at a time. So imagine a scenario where a server request comes in and it uses SQLite database, which has a little lock, a little synchronous lock. Shouldn't take long, but it's there. It's just a, it's just a little wee lock. And then another request comes in, and then another, and another, and gosh darn it, these requests keep coming in. 500 requests come in. And all of a sudden, we've starved the thread pool because SQLite has decided, I'm going to eat up an entire thread while I wait for some other threads to finish. While it is supposed to be a task-based library, deep down, implementation details, ugly stuff, it's it's forcing things to be on threads and i guess that's the fundamental problem with synchronous locks and async code Mm, yes this makes sense to me 
So let me now let me make the dark picture darker. So you would say, well, okay, maybe things would just you know work themselves out. <laughs> give it enough yeah, I mean, time. Give it enough sip time. Sip some coffee. Yeah, yeah, you know, hey, you know, your server's doing stuff. Just scale out. Just scale out. Scale up. Scale out. <laughs> yeah, you just kick the server, reboot it <laughs> once. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the problem is it just cascades and gets to a point where it just can't recover. Like these are just cascading conditions. They are irrecoverable to get from. They're rare. It should never get into those conditions, but it's totally possible. And this is, I guess, is why I also think, ah, whatever. Should always have something that just reboots your server every hour anyway. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's a quick way to fix bugs. Just reboot the server every hour. <laughs> so that that just shocked me. I because I had always just considered it was a get a sip of coffee kind of problem, not we're going to destroy the world kind of problem. So to see that this thing can actually get to that point is really sad. And you're like, okay, I felt a little bit of shame for having synchronous locks in my async code, but now I feel like I'm sorry I'm breaking the internet all of a sudden. That's how I feel, honestly. Uh, Now in this... In this call, were you specifically called out for, like, you're a library? Oh, no, not at all. This is me creating problems for myself. I see. But you know what it is? Um, I've been wanting to use more SQLite in my own web servers because, honestly, it's just easy, you know? You just make a class and things just work. It does migrations for you, all that stuff. It's very reliable. And so I've just been wanting to use it in more of my own web projects. And so recently I've just had an eye towards making sure that it runs well in a server environment, not just hoping (laughs) that it runs well in a server environment. Got it. Got it. That makes sense. Can I give another real quick horror story about this? Yeah, go for it. Like pretty much this is me nodding and agreeing with all of your horrors and everything that you've done wrong, Frank. So it's confirmation. It's like we we always knew not to do this, but this is proof that it's bad. (laughs) (laughs) It gets worse. It turns out that the JIT, the thing that compiles your code, is uses the thread pool. Mm. And so if you starve the thread pool, you can actually stop the entire runtime because it's not able to compile your methods in time. Oh, it's no. just catastrophic, James. It, it, it's like a, it, you're spiraling. You started to spiral out of control slowly, but then you spiraled out of control so fast that you stopped everything. <laughs> yeah. And I want to stress... This is not going to happen in a mobile app. No, <laughs> this, no. this scenario is just so unlikely. Hey, people only use your app for five minutes. You know, it's just not going to happen. But it's possible. And you've read through the, the issue there. Like someone recorded it. They have logs and graphs and things like this thing is happening. So I guess this whole episode was me saying, I'm sorry. Every time that I've put a synchronous lock into async code and said, it'll be fine. I guess I was lying. I guess I was naive or ignorant. I don't know even which one of those adjectives to use. I just feel so bad about it. Um, not bad enough that I've actually fixed it yet, but I plan on fixing it this week or next week. <laughs> so you did you did fix some issues, though, correct? Yeah, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, the, the primary goal for me was to make sure that it runs well on a server. And it does. It, it really does. It's fine. Um, this is more like... Does it run well when the server is dying <laughs> or, you know, when the server is being, what's the modern equivalent? Like we used to have slash dot, like what's mm. the, 
Yeah. Well, you know, when a lot of people are using your server. I just don't want to be the bottleneck. I don't want to be the reason that David Fowler has to read a bunch of logs and graphs. That's true. And well, and, and to be honest with you, I just want to let you know that Monkey Cash, the ultimate caching library for all people that love bananas, um, went with the tried and true approach of the using synchronous with locks. And I think using synchronous with locks continues to just work just fine. And it's never gone astray. Yeah. There's a simplicity to it that's just pure. I mean, that was how SQLite-Net worked all the way up to version 1.5 or 6. Yeah, there's a beauty there. The problem is you have these performance freaks out there like Clancy. This, let's let's bring this all back to the real main point here. It's all Clancy's it's fault. It's all Clancy's fault. Yes, this makes sense. Because he would never use monkey cash because... If he said get or write, it would it, he wouldn't be able to do it multiple at the same time because it's impossible oh. because I lock it. He'd be very upset. So you've actually dealt with the exact same issue with him, except you stood your ground and I let him win for the performance. And I said, no, it's a caching library, Clance. If you want to use the database, use the database. My favorite is like I actually in the SQLite net code. I have select statements. I, I didn't even use the link query language. I need, why didn't I do this? I'm like, yeah. I'm looking at it and I literally have select star from banana where expiration date is less than question mark. That's great. It's fine. It's fine. Actually, a lot of people use the library in that way. A lot of people use it as just an easy way to um, put in their own queries into the database. Yeah. It's a very common use scenario. I would actually love a breakdown of who's using the link part versus the query part i always use the i oh you know what i always use the link almost exclusively and i forget why i did this i believe i either reviewed it with you or i reviewed it with i actually I, do i oh i'm looking here oh no, no no it's funny because i'll do like a query where i'm like give me all the bananas and how monkey cash works is like you the object you store is a is a banana and the thing that you're storing it in of is, course a it is. is a barrel. <laughs> so you're putting bananas in barrels and it's called monkey cash. It all makes logical sense. Oh um, yeah. It's funny because what I do is I, I do like, uh, I, I appear to be doing a query of what is this? What is this doing? Get keys. And then I do a query and then I do something like if it has a flag and then I do a link query on the results <laughs> so instead of doing it in the link query, like I do it later for some reason, I don't know what I'm doing. What am I doing in this library? It's, it's great. Yeah, but I've that's a little used, bit of a waste. I've always used the link um, query on it because it's been very, very nice. And I think I was doing this because you're like, oh, this will just be faster or something like this. Or maybe, I don't know, someone else hmm. did. But I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, w I would usually putting the query into the database is fastest. It's a quick little query language and all that stuff. It, there's a little pause in the beginning. Oh, so this was a fun adventure. Oh, I should go back and say, do you remember I had that weird unit test that kept randomly failing? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, that was the unfortunately named stress async unit test. <laughs> <laughs> and it turned out what I was doing. Um, and actually, this one was causing me trouble before in CI. Like the CI build would fail sometimes because I run the unit tests in CI. But then I would literally click rebuild button and then they would pass. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, it turns out I think I discovered why. Because it was a very poorly written test by yours truly that allocated uh, 500 threads 
actual operating system threads. Now, in Windows, you have a 2,000 thread limit and like a 32-bit process. I don't know what the limits are on Linux, but I'm sure it's you're you know running under Docker image, all that stuff. I'm sure it has limits. So I think what was happening was I was actually starving like the operating system's ability to give me threads. I switched all that code over to use async like it should have been written, async tasks, and it passes almost instantly now and <laughs> has never failed in CI since. So I guess welcome to 2010, write your code in async. <laughs> This makes sense. Mm, this makes sense. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm still going to go yeah. with the synchronous one, but you know, that's just me. Okay, fine. Live my life. You're not going to get your full mutex. Not going to get your read two reads at the same time. Uh, I in on purpose. On purpose. Mm-hmm. Actually, it might be a good time to to rethink how I, I implement. The the thing is, how I implemented Monkey Cache is that all the all the methods are synchronous to begin with. So they are. I'd have to introduce a sync an, an asynchronous version of it and that seems like a no bueno so no i don't think there's any point to it the only scenarios where this comes up is where you're really hitting that database um hard from both sides so like if it was a website you know give me a query that returns a thousand things a query that returns a thousand things um that would be common but i think monkey cache it's always single key single value kind of stuff i think it'll be makes sense plus it's the mobile world where everything just works and you don't have to deal with all this server nonsense that's right it's the well actually surprisingly enough i support um asp.net core with it so what's your what's your user base we should measure i wish i had stats actually gosh if only nougat gave us some stats like that what kind of project yeah. is our library being installed into? Would love that would be fascinating. Actually, I would be super fascinated to like understand that. Yeah, huh? Because all you get are the bug reports. No one ever like creates an issue. Just wanted to say I love your library. <laughs> your library is great. That's true. <laughs> you only see the failure cases, and I never know. Uh, yeah, it's it's hard to tell. Like. I assume more mobile users are using it than web developers, but there's a lot of web developers. The, I, I also ponder who are the people that trust a library called Monkey Cash? It's your name. It's your James Montemagno. Nobody brand. knows who I am. No one knows who I it's am. It's the heart on your t shirt. It clues us in that you have one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> barely. 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 <laughs> Uh, well, thank you for listening to my story about open source woes, life lessons, feeling guilty for not knowing how things worked 10 years ago. No, it's not your fault, Frank. Here is the situation. You learn something in the process. You got a story out of it. You fix some things. You improve some things. And you'll continue to improve every single day. And that's just life, Frank. That's just oh. how life happens and you're great and we all love you because you know why because we all use your library and we wouldn't be anywhere without it (laughs) that's the thing to remember like even like i look at i look at um like my media library which i really need to like either rewrite or completely update and take way amount of time and yeah there's tons of issues open with it but for like a majority of people it actually works just fine for their use case Um, and that kind of makes me happy. Like when I see someone that's like, oh, you know what? It, it doesn't, it doesn't have everything that I want, but it got me, I was able to ship the application and I'm pretty happy with it. Bingo, bango. That, that's a good yeah. day. That's a good day. Yeah. Aw, 
that's a great way to end. I love that. Yeah. People actually using the library. <laughs> yeah, people actually use your library. I mean, that thing has millions of installs, so you're good to go. It's uh, just a million people that I can upset, James. I'm a glass half full, empty, and it's getting emptier by the minute. <laughs> no, no. Well, let's end on a positive note, because if you like SQLite-net, guess what? You can also sponsor the whole thing. There's a sponsor button up there, because I think Frank, I mean, if he if he hasn't done it yet, he has a week since this recording of this podcast, to sign up for GitHub sponsorships, and you can sponsor SQLite-net. I would. I would give Frank my money if he was to do that. So let's hope that Frank does that. And you should also check out all of his awesome other projects like Fugit. Fugit's awesome. If you like Nougat, it's like Nougat, but with an F instead of an N. So that's pretty cool. You should check that out. And you should also check out his other applications like Continuous, Continuous.codes. That's an amazing IDE on your iPad. He just updated it to C Sharp 8 and F Sharp 4.5 and Xamarin Forms 4.4 with XAML support. That's pretty rad. Pretty much we love you, Frank. And that's going to do it for this week's podcast. So until next time, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Kruger. Thanks for listening. Peace.